everyone. This is Shannon Waller here, and welcome to the Team Success Podcast. I am really excited because I had the opportunity to be in a workshop with one of our phenomenal clients, and the way he was talking about his team got me completely excited, and I said, can I interview you for the Team Success Podcast? And he very graciously said yes. So I'd like to introduce you to Jeff Grove, and he comes from a profession that is known, well... Not necessarily always for its teamwork. <laughs> Can I say that? So I'm really excited because, Jeff, what you have, I think, you know, the, your own metamorphosis in terms of leadership and, and what, you know, what really inspires you and what, how you really now see your business, I think, is pretty intriguing. And I know it will be of incredible benefit for, for those listening. So can you introduce yourself and just say who you are, where you are, and what you're up to? And then we'll get started. Sure. Well, I'm Jeff Grove, as you said. Thanks, and thanks for having me. I'm in a town called Reading. It's a city, about 100,000 people, uh, about an hour northwest of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. I'm a general dentist. That's what I went to school for, college and dental school. And over the years, I've realized that I've got more of a drive to be a leader and an organizer and an entrepreneur. And so I, I spent 10 years, you know, doing kind of the normal dental office thing, running a normal kind of cottage industry dental business and, you know, flicked a switch about four years ago and decided that I had done that for a big chunk of my life and that there was a lot about it that I liked and I had learned a lot about uh, dentistry and the dental business and that I, if I decided to be more of an entrepreneur and a leader, I could scale out what we were doing well at a small you know, level and take it to a bigger level in lots of different ways. So since then, we have built a one kind of master office, let's call it a center for dental excellence. It's a 10,000 square foot facility with seven doctors and 18 operatories. So it's sort of a monster mega dental practice. And from that, we build a platform there that we've turned into a, a dental service organization, a DSO. So I partnered with an awesome CEO, someone that has an opposite Colby of me, someone with an incredible follow through and an MBA from Stanford, which doesn't hurt one bit. And now we're off and running and creating a business that has spawned out of having one very visionary and very entrepreneurial dental office. And we're trying to make a whole lot more of them. Wow, that sounds incredible. And I think that entrepreneurial journey is really interesting. And this is part of why I was so excited because all the dentists and strategic coach are entrepreneurial by nature, or this would not be at all attractive to them. But you really have made the shift. And we actually call it the double shift. But the main shift is thinking that, okay, I'm a fill in the blank, in your case, a dentist. Two, I'm an entrepreneur with a specialty in, mm -hmm. in your case, dentistry. Right. And that is a major mindset shift sure. that you've made. And then even you've taken another step further, which is into really being a leader and a developer of teams and, and different structures that will serve even a much greater audience. So it's an interesting mindset shift. And I want everyone listening to kind of pay attention to that and say, okay, do I see myself as just an expert in, mm -hmm. or, you know, someone who's very capable in one particular area, or do you see yourself as an entrepreneur yeah. with a specialty in that? And that's an important shift to make. I can imagine there were a lot of changes for you once you once you made that decision. Yeah, a lot of changes and a lot of shifts. Mindset shifting, which is a, you know what you just sort of touched on, has to happen in a lot of different areas of life and business. And one of the big ones for me, I truly believe I had to be a dentist and work at that level for that, you know, eight, nine, 10 years, I had to gain that competency so that I had the leadership, the skills and the background and, you know, the chops, if you will, mm -hmm. to realize that I could train other dentists to do 
what I had done at the level, the clinical level. And, and basically what we sell is dentistry. What with it, it's a craft. It's a service that we provide. That's how we make our revenues. I could get myself in the business of training and recruiting and hiring doctors rather than being the doctor in the chair myself. So if you can apply that mindset of that shift or, you know, here I am plugging away, fixing teeth or to bringing in a team of doctors and giving them great coaching, mentoring in all areas of their life, you can all of a sudden create this team of what you once were. And you've got a whole bunch of them. I really like that. And it reminds me of you know when we were setting up this conversation, you talked about the path from being a craftsman. I appreciate, by the way, that you approach dentistry that way as a patient. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I really like that, that crafting analogy to a leader. And yeah. there really is a different way of doing things. And I know a lot of professionals, especially in the medical profession, who really do struggle with that. And some of them are just passionate about their craft. Mm-hmm. And lots actually want to, okay, this is complicated. This is hard. How can I make it easier? And so I'm sure, you know, what the environment and the setup that you've created just actually frees people up to do what they love to do. And you get to harness a whole bunch of different people's talents, which at Coach we call unique ability. And that must be fun for you. That must be really fun to leverage people's innate talent and capabilities and see them flourish that way. It is fun for me. That's where I discovered my unique ability. That's what, you know, got me so excited and took me from as I had, you know, I'd done just dentistry for all those years and done some management and leadership. All of a sudden, you know, there's some spring that's lost in your step. So for me, and again, it's an individual decision. I needed, it was more of a, an absolute necessity to find a different way to continue to be a dentist and to enjoy it. And I wanted to take more of an entrepreneurial route and become more of a coach and mentor and bring more doctors in. And to do that, I had to become better at all levels of business. We had to build a bigger office, a bigger practice, hire more people, start to have team leaders that I rely on for lots of things rather than doing everything myself. There are a lot of dentists, Shannon, that love that craft and will continue to hone in on it and be satisfied with constantly trying to just up their game like in golf, lowering your handicap just a little bit more and getting better and better and better. I got to a certain handicap where I felt this is about as far as I'm going to be satisfied taking this part of it. Let's try to get the handicap down in a couple different, you know, other areas and see what, where that leads me. That is just a great way to think about it. That's the distinction between excellent and unique. Mm-hmm. You know, I was excellent at sales. I was really good. I can make excellent income, but at some level it became a numbers game. And I thought, I can't do this forever. It's actually a really weird place to be where you're like, I have to do something different and I don't quite know what that looks like yet. There's some trepidation at that level. And then fortunately, I discovered coaching, Mm -hmm. mostly from having watched Dan Sullivan do it for so long, but I knew nothing. I remember going into my workshop, first workshop room when I I had actually designed what I thought would be a cool day. And I stood up at the front of the room and I opened my mouth. And again, there was no one in the room, thank goodness. And I realized it was just blank. It was silence. (laughs) It's like, okay, I need to go back and practice a little more. Um, but then I did it and it worked. And then that was a whole new path. And again, you have to get your handicap down in those other areas. Mm-hmm. But it, there's an active commitment and courage there that, first of all, I just want to acknowledge and appreciate that you made it. And I think anytime you kind of branch out or expand past your initial focus area, there is that commitment and courage. And we talk about a coach, courage doesn't feel very good. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a little scary. You've got something that you want, but you actually have no idea and you don't actually have the capabilities in place yet to do it. So what was that moment like for you? It was a little like, eh, what are we going to do next? Absolutely. But just to go back a little bit, when I decided I wanted to grow and change, I 
knew I couldn't do it alone. I knew I needed great coaching. I knew I needed to learn from other great entrepreneurs that had made this leap from doing a craft or selling one thing to trying to scale out a true business. So I sought mentors and coaches. And it turns out that the mentor and coach that I studied with for four years was actually a student of dance and strategic coach. So I started to learn a lot of the fundamentals that now I'm really solidifying by being a 10x coaching client. But I'm bringing that up because at that moment, at that juncture, I think it's very critical to look within and say, who am I? And yeah, I am a little bit scared, but I also have this natural instinct to keep pushing the boundaries and be okay with some risk. And then I learned about Colby and I said, aha, oh, my Colby's done. Okay. Now I realize that my natural MO is to kind of keep pushing things a little bit. And I'm okay with going out and saying, I don't know exactly what's you know going to happen if I jump out of this plane, but I'm competent and confident in my ability to design the parachute, you know, as, as I fall. And I realize I'll get it done, pull the cord and, and everything's going to be okay. So I made the jump. Now there's going to be people that hit that juncture where they know there's something more that they could be doing. They're going to have a harder time probably jumping out of the plane and making some of those changes. If you can go then to Colby and say, well, that's my natural MO, it might be a little bit of a swim upstream, but they'll get there. Oh my gosh. A lot of working parts in that answer, but. (laughs) I love it. Well, the whole thing of, you know, building the parachute as you're falling is so (laughs) accurate for entrepreneurs. And for anyone not familiar with Colby, which if you've been listening to this podcast or my one with Dan Sullivan, Inside Strategic Coach, you probably heard me mention it before, but it's colby.com if you want to go check it out, K-O-L-B-E.com. And what's amazing is it's not your intellect, it's not your capabilities, it's not your training, you can't fail, it's not a test, nor is it your preferences. So most profiles that people take are all about what you want, your desires, your preferences, are you introverted or extroverted? It's not that either. So what it gets at is how you naturally strive and how you naturally take action when you do care about something. Now, how well you do it, probably related to how much you have upstairs. But really, it's incredibly predictive of how you will take action. And as you said, everyone will get there at some point. Some people with more facts in advance, some people with a plan, some of us not at all. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it just gives you a lot of confidence. And if you sound like me, because I know when I learned about my Colby MO, I was like, oh, that explains a few million things. <laughs> also, <laughs> yeah, I learned to trust it. Mm-hmm. My quick start doesn't kick in until the last minute, mm-hmm. which can be slightly terrifying because you're, you know, at the edge of the plane. <laughs> Yeah, door's gone. And you're like, okay, where's that parachute stuff again? Yeah. But it works. I know I can count on it. I put it to the test far more consciously now, and it always works for me. In fact, just to share a quick story, I just came back from Chicago and was coaching a brilliant group of team leaders. And I had been away. You know, and I haven't been on vacation, had been in the office, had a company meeting, but I hadn't been coaching. The morning of, I was feeling a little weird. I got up in front of the room and I saw my peeps and Blah, 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 blah. You couldn't stop me. It was like a button just got pushed and bam. You know what this feels like when you're just all of a sudden in your element with your people and it's just right there and available for you. So when you can learn to trust your Colby profile, MO, whatever it is, there's no right or wrong Colby, just how you use it. It's kind of brilliant. So I love this because what we're talking about are the tools and the people and the resources that you use to really give yourself some more solidity in this Mm -hmm. new, some more capability in this new venture. So what are some of the other things you've done or some lessons you've learned? Like you were in Mm -hmm. your own private practice before, and now you've Mm -hmm. got this large facility with doctors and labs. What were some of the steps in between or what were some of the things that you did maybe that didn't work that you would advise people to do it this way, not that way? 
at this juncture, you know, to make this switch, a lot of letting go has to happen. Mm-hmm. You have to become very clear on what your highest value activities are, the things that only you can do in your business and do everything you possibly can to restrict yourself to doing only those things, which means in turn, letting a lot of not so important, I call them LVAs, low value activities, go and delegate those to other team members, which involves trust. You have to realize that they may not do them as well or the same way at first that you did. But if you give them the right feedback in the right way, they want to help you. If you can inspire the vision, which is also something I would put on the list there, you need to inspire the vision. You need to tell everybody where you're driving the bus and make sure you've got the right people that are ready to go there. If they're not, you know, it's probably better to figure out that very, very quickly. And once you have those people and they're inspired and they're ready to go with the vision, it's time then to start delegating the tasks and get everything off of your plate as the leader and the entrepreneur that you possibly can and let your team who is super willing, super capable and super enthusiastic that you're entrusting them with that to take the reins of some of those projects. And so that's where all of that greatness, it's almost like you want to make your you know, big picture, you almost want to make yourself obsolete in your own business and unneeded as much as possible. And I think that takes a real high level of personal security, personal confidence, because there's some people that just want to hold on to things so tightly, Shannon, as you know, because it's their identity and they don't want to give that up. Yeah. You've got to create a new identity for yourself and drive to that and let go of some of your old identity stuff. That is such a great way of putting that. I mean, as soon as you were talking, I'm thinking ego is the word that popped into mind. And that letting go is really challenging. As you know, I wrote the book Multiplication by Subtraction, which really was inspired by the book Necessary Endings by Dr. Henry Cloud. And I think there's a personal letting go of old ways of doing things, old structures, and being willing to take that leap. To use another analogy, it's letting go of one trapeze so you can grab onto the next. Mm -hmm. And that takes for a little wire in the air. I really liked your point about when people are willing, capable, and enthusiastic. Mm -hmm. What's interesting is I still have conversations relatively regularly with people who don't don't actually know that there are team members or that there are people out there who are willing, capable, and enthusiastic. So can you talk to that for a minute? You know when people say, well, there's no good people out there? Mm-hmm. And you're like, mm, don't think that's true. Yeah. We found some. <laughs> you know, people give compliments to our team all the time because we're always so happy to see you. I think there's a bit of a misconception, which I think is a mindset, but I'd be really curious to get your take on that. Yeah, well, I agree with you. I think there's lots of really great, talented people out there. The key is getting everyone rallied around the same vision, the same destination, the same place that everyone is going, bringing people in and letting them know they're in a safe environment, being very transparent and vulnerable about where you are in the journey with the team as often as possible with them. I think that the leaders and the the businesses that say there's no one good out there think that they're going to find someone on a job website and they're going to simply plop them in a chair and that person's going to use the sixth form of communication. I don't know if I've maybe heard that from Dan, which is the one where you read my mind or I read your mind and you just know exactly what I expect and want you to do and you're just going to do it because I hired you and I pay you a certain wage. And that, that person's just going to get in there and, you know, work miracles. They won't work miracles. They won't make a big impact in the company without direction, without vision, without trust, without vulnerability, without telling them exactly what you expect and highlighting, you know, success criteria, all the things that strategic coach for me has emphasized as just 
key structure that needs to be put in place to ensure someone's success. And then when that's in place and someone still falls out of that, it's very quickly evident. And yes, maybe you didn't make a great hire, Mm -hmm. but there are great people out there that want to take on projects. They want to help companies grow. They want to sit there and enter the data and do some of the things maybe that isn't, you know, in your natural wheelhouse. Yeah. You just raised a really, really good point. This is another, I'm throwing all the objections at you that I, that I hear a lot. It's like, oh my gosh, how could anyone possibly want to enter data, mm-hmm. clean up, or do the things that, if I think for me it's anything administrative, it's just mm-hmm. not in my wheelhouse. And, and I can do it. I'm capable of doing it. Mm-hmm. I'm not stupid. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, my attention span for it is about two minutes or less. Right. So I, I won't do it consistently. Mm-hmm. And it's bright, shiny object syndrome. I'm off to something that I consider more interesting. Right. So I think we have this mistaken thinking that just because we don't like it, no one else likes it. Yeah, that's right. Did you have to kind of get over that a little bit? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I know this isn't a podcast focused completely on Colby, but to go back to Colby, you know, that's, that's where we use the right fit. The Colby right fit, the analysis is taken, the supervisor of the job. And if it's me, I'm hiring a doctor. I fill out the right fit. I think it's the Colby B or the Colby C index. Colby C. The Colby C. I'm answering questions And those questions lead to a description of a doctor in the Colby sense that fits the profile of who's going to be successful in Mm. our company, who's going to have that natural instinct to be successful with me as their leader and doing what they need to do to fit in and do well in our environment. And when you line that up, you know, if they're not an A or a B, I really, really have to love a lot of other things to override that because, you know, as you said, you would be dead and miserable if you were doing administrative follow through spreadsheets all day. That's not part of your Colby natural instincts. You'd be swimming upstream all day. It would be an emotional and I would say an energy, let's just say drain completely for you. You'd leave work exhausted and miserable and you'd be looking for another job. So it's about getting the right people in the right spot, as Jim Collins says, you know, in in all of his books, getting the right people on the right bus that's going in the right direction in the right seats. Perfect. I love that. And that wisdom that he captured is been so true and, and everyone just says it all the time because it's so accurate and i love by the way that i can see your white doctor's coat right behind you <laughs> as i'm looking at you <laughs> he really is a dentist everybody <laughs> i love learning from lessons of what did not work and then i want to get to your team now because i know you have an, an amazing team you've mm-hmm. raved to me about them yeah. so are there one or two hires that were you know you learned something either you weren't clear enough or maybe you overrode your knowledge about the Colby Wright fit or something like that. Was there one or two things where, and even didn't have to be a disaster, Yeah. but is there a circumstance or two you're like, wow, I thought that would work, but it didn't. And here's what I learned from it. Yeah. I would say that, you know, especially with team, I mean, let's face it, your team and the people that you work with and, and bring on board are going to be a huge make or breaker for your success. And the better you are with hiring and bringing in the right people and putting them in the right spot, the more successful you're going to be. And, and Dan said something that resonated with me at the, one of the last meetings. And, you know, he said that there's a lot of high quick starts in the 10 X program. And he said, high quick starts tend to be great at sales and talking with people. And they tend to be really good at getting people to like them and like their vision and get on board. So he said, really, you shouldn't be doing any hiring because we were good at talking people into being what we want them to be. Right. And in that moment, when that person's looking for the job, you're talking them into being what you want them to be so that they will sit in this certain seat on the bus. And so I've made the mistake of doing that, of selling the wrong person, the wrong fit person on an opportunity. And then really all you're doing is 
it's three months later and you know that person isn't working and you liked them a lot at the, you know, the interview and when you met them, but you really knew in your heart of hearts, you were trying to mold them into what you wanted them to be because you liked them. But really they have to have certain right fit characteristics right off the bat, or you're going to make some bad hires. And I think the bad hires I've made would go back to that, I would say, principle and the violation of it. <laughs> yes. Any particular positions that you've done that with? Oh, Just sure. out of curiosity. At this point, the main team that I focus on besides the team leaders is the doctors. I think the team leader story though would be more valuable for this podcast. One mistake that I've made I probably had to make this mistake two or three times over the last four years till it really sunk in and and I was able to quantify what the mistake is Mm -hmm. and I would say it loud and clear on the podcast so that maybe someone won't make this same mistake. But it's very easy to promote someone into failure. It's really easy to take someone who's really good functioning and firing along at this certain level in your company and think because they're so good at their job, let's say they're a really good hygienist or they're a really good dental assistant, or they're really good at taking payments at the front desk, that they all of a sudden would make a fantastic team leader for that whole growing department. Or all of a sudden, you're going to take someone who's great with patients on the phones. We have a call center. So we're going to turn them into the leader and the developer of the call center. I've promoted multiple people into failure and lost wonderful people that were sitting in the right seat and doing a great job. I think I'm doing them a favor by putting them in a leadership spot. But really, like I said, I'm promoting them into a zone that they just weren't meant for. So, you know, you have to know who not only is great at a job, but also is going to be a great teacher of that job. Somebody could be, going back to the golf analogy, you can be a great golfer. You might stink at teaching people how to golf. You can be a great skier, but you, you know, you can't teach kids how to ski. So um, you have to find the right person that's got the right skills to move up. And I would say probably some of the biggest failures I've made were promoting people into the wrong spot. That is such a brilliant point. And I'm sure everyone listening can go, yep, yeah, I've been there, done yep, that. Yep. <laughs> and then you keep doing it. You're like, darn, I wonder, what's the problem here? I and I think to some extent, we think that they're like us, right? Because we talked earlier about, you know, being an expert in your craft and then wanting to go into leadership. I do that. I think it's a very natural human tendency is that we think that other people are just like us and that they're going to mm-hmm. want the same things that we want. Yeah. And we take them out of their area of expertise, but promoting to failure, I'm going to steal that term, if I may, because I think it's brilliant. (laughs) And I haven't heard anyone articulate it as well as you have just now, because that's a very particular danger. So thank you for that. That's huge. And yeah, we could, there's probably four or five positions where we've all done that. So talk about your team now, because I think you've probably learned from that mistake at this point. So talk about your team leader team and and how you work with them. And and I love the fact that everyone knows where the bus is going, and they're going in the same direction. So Mm -hmm. how do they leverage you? Yeah. Well, the bus gets steered astray now and then, and we have to kind of steer it back on course. And, you know, every once in a while, the bus crashes into a wall and we have to repair it and, you know, go around the wall and bus runs out of gas sometimes and we got to put some high octane back. So I love the graph that says like, this is what people think success is. And if I had a a whiteboard, it's like this straight line to the top, but really success is like this zigzaggy all over the place, twists, turns, downs, ups. And that's hundred percent true. And that's true when you're working with a group of team leaders. My main focus, we've got 54 employees employees now. So, you know, my main focus is working with those team leaders and doctors and making sure that you have a clear calendar of communication rhythms, meeting rhythms, we call it these touch days and touch points where you're sitting down and talking one-on-one with your key people where you're, you have uninterrupted time. Maybe you're reviewing some key points, metrics, bullets, things that have come to mind over the last few weeks 
but you have to have key one-on-one or group FaceTime with those key people as you move on. That's key for developing and keeping a leadership team on track. Trying to avoid making any kind of decisions or having any kind of important conversations via email or anything technological, I think is important. We strictly use email. We use an app called Slack to communicate. So it kind of doesn't violate people's personal texting, but using an app like Slack or email just to kind of say, hey, the meeting changed from 1 to one fifteen, or can I see you on Friday? Or can we put this on the agenda for Tuesday? Or hey, can we... That's the only way we communicate electronically. Everything else happens face-to-face. Can I get two minutes? Can I get five minutes? We don't ever let that ceiling of complexity over issues and things things build up. We try to be really transparent, very vulnerable, really where we are, own our mistakes. And that's all key in working with team leaders. It definitely helps you. I heard a great podcast the other day and they talked about there's two sort of sides of a spectrum when someone comes to you and there's issues happening and you're discussing hard topics in a business. And people either lean more toward the suspicious side, like I'm kind of suspicious of that. I'm wondering what's How's this going to affect me? And what's the problem? What's the underlying? Or they lean more toward trust. The better the communication is, the more your team's going to lean toward trust. I would Google that one, you know, trust and suspicion. That's a really good, mm-hmm. really good way to kind of gauge. We use the term ice in our business a lot. How thick is the ice? Even Covey talks about deposits in a bank and you can't over withdraw. You know, if Shannon and I, you have a relationship and if I'm making enough deposits and then I screw up a little bit, there's some money in there. We don't overdraw the account. We use the term ice. Like if your leadership ice is thick then things can happen and the ice isn't going to break. If you're not communicating well and there's a more of a suspicious feel in the leadership team rather than trust, and this always needs to be worked on. This is my point. Always need to be working on that trust and communication. If there's that trust and good communication, the ice stays thick and the ups and downs as you ride the bus towards your journey won't be as profoundly negatively impacting or effective. That's a great point. We, over the last year, we've been implementing a collaborative way or instituting is probably a better word, which is all about listening generously, speaking straight, being for each other, honoring commitments and acknowledgement and appreciation so that we can thicken the ice. <laughs> That's exactly the purpose of it. And with our leadership team, but also everybody else, because when you don't clean up a mess, like when you don't have that fierce conversation, as Susan Scott says, you know, you don't actually clean stuff up if you're disturbed about something, then ice gets thin mm-hmm. and people don't bring up issues and they become more suspicious. Right. And it's incredible incredibly important for you or the leader of the company or, or the leadership in an organization to be, as you said, incredibly transparent. Mm-hmm. It's kind of the opposite of ego sometimes because it can be a little scary. It's like, oh, I screwed up. That's not something you want to mm-hmm. say publicly that often. Right. Most of us like yeah, to think. Vulnerability. Yeah. yeah. So you've mentioned mm-hmm. that a couple of times. So what does trust and transparency and vulnerability look like in your meetings? What might someone say or how would that be exhibited in your conversations? I don't know is a key phrase that needs to be said more at meetings. Stop right there. You just said something that I did not get. I don't understand. Can you explain that? Asking questions is vulnerable. People that ask lots of questions are curious. They're discoverers. They're trying to get to the bottom of what is happening so that the meeting's effective. I think it happens way too often, whether it be a meeting of four people or a meeting of 400, where people just sit there and things are said and they don't know what's going on, but they just don't ask. They're afraid to stop. They're afraid to pause. And then you just check out. I mean, and then the time is wasted. So you need to say you don't know. You need to talk about things that you don't understand. 
because it's that vulnerability of admitting that, that, like I said, to me over time builds that ice and makes it thicker so that with thin ice, it doesn't take a whole lot. You could just set this marker on the ice and it would break. That doesn't take the weight of a whole lot to break thin ice. So Yeah, I really like that. Those are great points. It's one of those things where as you get really good at what you're you know, whatever your natural talents are, however you develop, it gets harder, I think, for some people to say, I don't know, I don't get it. And I was thinking as you're talking, one of the people I respect most on our leadership team is Tammy, Tammy Coville. She's someone who will, Babs and Dan are the owners of Strategic Coach. And in our leadership meeting, she will talk to Babs. And Babs is a very clear, she's got command as one of her strengths, finder strengths. So she's, she's a force wonderful, fun, funny, intelligent person, and she can be strong. And Tammy will say, well, hang on, I don't quite understand, or I don't quite get exactly what you want to accomplish, which I think takes some courage. Mm -hmm. I would have been personally more likely to go, um, I think I'll just go and figure it out after. <laughs> but Tammy doesn't. Yeah. And then sure enough, as a result of the conversation, Babs is clear, and we're all a lot clearer. Yeah. I'm so aware from coaching from Tammy, really, and watching her, just how useful it is to ask that question. Because quite often, the person who is articulating it wasn't as clear as they could have been, or they get clearer through the mm -hmm. conversation if someone's willing to speak up. Absolutely. And there's people in that room that are saying, oh, I'm so glad she said she's not clear because I'm not clear either. Yeah. 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 Another thing, too, is just in those meetings, when you're having communication with your team and your team leaders, checking in on people's feelings and vulnerability in that situation, to me, looks like me leading that off by saying, hey, you know what we just talked about, guys, this new initiative to bring in, let's say, orthodontics at a higher level or to start our own pediatric dental practice, that feels really scary to me. Like, I absolutely have no idea, you know, what the nuts and bolts of that project look like mm -hmm, at this point. Mm -hmm. But I know that together we can do it. And if you guys feel scared about it, and it's kind of like no man's land for you, you've never been there, I'm right there with you. You know, and just kind of acknowledging that transparency of especially emotions like fear and doubt and do I have what it takes, those kinds of emotions that pop into everyone's head when they're sitting at a board table and, and discussing big topics. I love that because the bottom line for me, I could imagine in your meetings, is they're incredibly real. Mm. You know, there's no pretense. There's no faking it. Everyone's very genuine, very authentic, which means you actually are dealing with reality. Mm. I have a massive bias towards reality. Yeah. <laughs> I'm really not very good at fake. Yeah. That's a great way to put it. I mean, just dealing with the reality of everything. Yeah, being re very real, yeah. And taking into account how people are feeling about something. And then it's like, okay, we're doing something scary together. All right, we're not alone in this. And that that in itself is actually team building in a way. It's a way that's very acknowledging of people too. It doesn't step over top of that, yeah. which I think is really powerful. So how many team leaders do you have right now? We have four team leaders that operate at you know, running the dental practice level. And then we've got a... Dynamic Growth is the name of our new DSO, and we've got a CEO, so we've got a leader there. We just hired a marketing officer, and we have a controller. So we've got a couple different leadership groups that I kind of play in, and we all then come together for certain meetings, and then we have some separate meetings as well. So you talked about the communication pulse or the pace of communication. I'm just curious because I know someone's going to be thinking this in their mind. So how often do you meet with people one-on-one? -on -one? Is it weekly? Is it biweekly? Is it daily? Yeah. How do you pace things? It depends. For my full-time doctors, I'm meeting with them every other week. Each one of them set aside an hour just for time with them one-on-one. -on -one. You know, I've got one core doctor that I'm grooming into kind of being the leader of this ship, kind of the admiral and the commander of this boat once we have other boats in the fleet. And so I'll meet with her once a week. With our CEO, 
I've got at least two set meetings a week, but I would say he and I talk and have some type of business related, at least an hour a day that we're talking. With my team leaders, it's once a week. We have a quarterly retreat where we leave the office. So each quarter we leave the office and we're out. And that's sort of the entire leadership group, offsite, in a space, whiteboards, markers, comfy clothes, just like, let's just talk and let's you know start some new initiatives. That's where I will introduce things like the impact filter. And we'll talk about some higher, broader concepts for the future and tools that we need to implement and kind of what are we going to focus on in terms of training at the next meetings every Tuesday. So once a week, we have an hour that the whole office is able to come upstairs and we can connect in different departments. So our team leaders, our department heads can connect with the department. So that's once a week. Once a month, we have a two-hour all-team meeting. We just had it this week. Everybody's together. We have lunch together. We present a whole bunch of things, some type of motivational or directional component. Once a quarter, we have a whole day that we're closed. And a lot of business owners will cringe at the opportunity cost of that. They'll think, you know, in a dental office like ours where, you know, we might have anywhere between twenty-five dollars and $35,000 worth of revenue in a day. Like you think, how could you ever shut down for that day? But, you know, it pays back itself. 10 times to have those days where you connect with your team and everyone's together and you kind of corral everyone's thinking and everyone's energies back to the core vision and the core purpose and what we're doing and the core values of the company. This is an analogy I use when I talk to people about running a a business. And I think about a lot, your business is kind of like a tire with a real slow leak with a tiny little hole, a pinhole in it. It's always leaking. I think it's one of Newton's laws. Someone told me entropy. I wasn't great in science and physics, but that systems are always losing energy over time. And that tire is always losing a tiny little bit of air. And if someone isn't always setting aside time to, you know, pump it back up, it'll be flat. Yeah. And no matter how good your business is, there's a teeny pinhole in it and it's leaking air at all times. Or you got to be putting some air back into it and find times to do that at a regular rhythm or you're going to have to pull over and get your donut out. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. Well, and it's so, so true. And this is so great that you're saying this because I was actually had the same thoughts last week. Sometimes you're like, okay, everyone's good. Let's go. And everyone's focused on their front stage. It's just one of our coach terms. Everyone's focused on the clientele and your customers and your patients. And we don't take time to work on ourselves. And I, that's what I do. You know, clients fly up, team leaders fly up for their one day quarterly team leader meeting with me. Or I go out to an onsite and I'll work, you know, usually sometimes once a year, but more often quarterly with groups just for that point, particularly with the leadership teams. And it looks like this massive investment. But the returns are incredible. They're multipliers. So yes, there is an opportunity cost. There's no question. I'm very Mm. conscious of that. (laughs) Like, okay, I need to deliver 10 times more of that value. But it's amazing because when people get aligned and they realize that they're connected and they realize what difference they're making in the world, you share patient stories, I'm sure, Mm. and they get motivated again. It's like, oh yeah, this is what we're up to. And you not only kind of like refill the air that's been lost, but you actually add more. Mm -hmm. You add more energy into the system And I think whatever your meeting pulse is now, as you're listening to this, think about, okay, is there time in between our meetings for people to lose energy? Mm -hmm. And how can you shore that up and just trust that, you know, if you've got great people on board, which you likely do, that it will pay off in spades and people just flourish with attention. They flourish knowing that you care about what's working for them and what's not Mm -hmm. and where you're going and sharing the vision. That's food. Mm -hmm. That's food for people that I think we don't give them enough of sometimes. 
I think a lot of companies and employees and leaders and team members, they start to dread the concept of a meeting. And if the business is run in such a way that meetings are only called when something's wrong, mm-hmm. no wonder you hate meetings. You know what I mean? Because it's like, oh, we're going to just get chewed out and, you know, the, the boss is ticked and the numbers are down and we're, yep, it's a meeting. But if you have a meeting rhythm, you can freely talk about the wins and celebrate all the great things that are happening as we start every meeting off with wins, by the way. I mean, it's just a part of the process. We always share a win. So you know that there's going to be some really great positive energy that comes out of the meeting. And you're going to also talk about some things that maybe aren't going so well. And you do that at everyone. Everyone knows what to expect. So you sort of eliminate that factor of dread of the dreaded meeting because we're actually on a rhythm and we're talking about good things and things that need work every single time you know, no secrets, nothing hidden rather than up, oh, you know, I just got an email. Dr. Jeff needs to have a meeting. Uh Oh, I think the doctors that are on our team weren't used to that at first. And when they saw that I was going to have a meeting with them every couple of weeks and they came in for their first one. I mean, they're, they're like, what way does it go? They think something terrible is going to happen because people associate meetings with the boss as like, this is bad rather than like, no, this is just a rhythm. And we just want to stay on track. We need to talk every two weeks. And you'll be blown away at all the things that you're able to talk about and all the things you're able to learn and connect over if you have half the meeting set up with a set agenda and the other half is just like, hey, let's just talk. Yeah. You know, what scares you? What's hard? How are things going? How do you feel? Yes. And then you get to help people and coach them growing. So a mm-hmm. couple things. You just reminded me that one of the things that's so important in terms of entrepreneurial team leadership is to remember that everyone was trained by somebody else. Mm-hmm. Even if they're just out of school, mm-hmm. they had parents They had an educational Mm -hmm. system. They had a church or community system that trained them a certain way, which may or may not be your way. Mm -hmm. So there's some unlearning to do (laughs) sometimes, even with the youngins, even with the new people. And to remember that. And people's own mindset. You know, some people, I think, come into the planet sort of suspicious or trusting. You know, there's people's own natural biases as well. And I think that's really key. The other thing that's been resonating through my mind as you've been talking is I was just with Dan in Chicago this week, and he went into one of our coaches workshops. And he said, no matter what business you're in, think of yourself as a coach. What you're really doing is coaching. And your job is to help your clientele and your teams have a bigger and better future. Right. And you are just the epitome of that, Jeff, which I love. You started this conversation off by saying, like, what are the key switches that need to be flipped for you to go from person that's doing the craft to the, that's perfectly said, the coach the coach of the crafters. That's a great way to put it. Yeah. Mm, Thank you. So what are some other coaches or tools or books you've read? You know, we've talked about Right Fit and Mm Colby.com and Right Fit is a Colby process. But let me just describe that for a minute because it's pretty profound. And Mm -hmm. if you want to take your hiring success rate from 50% to 80%, do this. Mm -hmm. So basically you do a Colby A profile. You need to do your own. And then you do a Colby C on the role, which is a job description in striving terms. Like what will you reward? What kind of behavior will you reward? Not the intelligence, not personality. And you want to do it before you fall in love with the person in the hiring process. That's the other thing. And if you've got more than one manager, supervisor, leader, then you can combine those Colby C's. And we, we were chatting about this in my workshop. And it's like, yes, it's really important to have all the quote unquote supervisors, because we may have different expectations for that position and we had better get on the same page. And then Colby is awesome because they produce a range of success. Mm -hmm. The terms are fact finder, follow through, quick start, implementer. And oh, it's well, I want a fact finder between six and an eight or I hope in dentistry there's some implementer (laughs) 
energy, which is physically using tools and crafting, et cetera. And then, as you said, you don't hire below a B. So they give you an A, B, C, D, or F rating. Mm -hmm. Do not hire below a B. I don't care how much you like how they show up or how great they are in the interview or how much you like their personality or their MBA from wherever. It just says you're going to hire someone whose mental energy is not on this track. And Dan's expression is, please ride the horse in the direction it's already going. (laughs) That's the easier way. So that's Colby. What are some other tools, resources, people that you have found really either help make the shift or provided really important tools? One more before I let you answer. You mentioned the impact filter. I just want to remind you listening that the extraordinary impact filter is now a book. So we have that and that's available from Strategic Coach. So if anyone wants to check out this amazing communication tool, we've made it easy in a book that takes less than an hour to read. Uh, and I love that about Dan's books and every single one of them, I always pull two or three as a quick start on like bullet points only. And there's always tremendous bullet points that make so much sense there. A book early on that I used when I made that shift from being more of a practicing dentist to an entrepreneurial leader and, you know, a growth agent in the company was John Maxwell's Fundamentals of Leadership, really mm-hmm. trying to distill down and understand what leadership is and what it looks like. And John Maxwell's version and what he teaches about leadership, and I haven't had the pleasure of hearing him speak or been in any of his classes, but as far as what he understands and knows about leadership, it's a really servant-based style of leadership. And it is that coaching-based. Your job is to bring out the best unique abilities in everyone that you come in contact with in your business and outside your business and for your patients or your clients or your customers. And if you can do that, you know, that's really truly what defines you as a leader. So I would start with that 21 Irrefutable Laws, I think it's called. It's just a great read. It can become a great reference book for you. He also has a great daily reader, 365-day daily reader that I've probably been through for four years in a row and I just keep reading them and I've earmarked every one. And it's just a great way to start your day and get you in that mind frame of being that coach that you were saying, Dan. Reference. Oh, I love that. Good. Anything else that comes to mind is something that just kind of keeps you on your best game for that? Always be seeking mentors. Always be looking to hear great ideas and be able to put them into place. This is just a, more of a generalization rather than a specific thing. But, you know, when someone reaches out to you to make a connection, try to make as many connections as you possibly can. Say yes to as many short meetings as you possibly can to try to make connections with people. It'll help you grow in whatever industry or field that you're in. There was a moment where I had the choice to just, yeah, I could have just gone to lunch and said no to a phone call that led to me connecting with Ryan who has now moved his family from California to Pennsylvania to become our CEO of our new growing company. If I would have just said, you know what, my day's busy and I just don't feel like taking that one call, that one connection, that one person that wanted to introduce me to Ryan, none of this would have ever happened. And now we're on you know, our way to having a, a company that could have 50 dental offices someday. So I just keep saying yes to opportunities. And when doors are open, keep walking through them. Oh, I love, love, love that. That's awesome. It makes me think because I can actually picture our conversation. We were in the cafe and that was kind of a short meeting Mm -hmm. and then it led to this. So (laughs) I'm with that. Yeah. Yeah. So just as we start to wrap up, I'm really clear where you came from and where you are now. What are you looking forward to? You mentioned 50 dental offices. So what are you really excited about and what do you see is now possible that you've moved into this leadership coaching role? Because I'm sure the future is a lot bigger than it used to be. Oh, it almost seems boundless compared to where it was before. At this point, I just don't see any limits. You know, I had a call with Dan a couple of weeks ago, Dan and one of our partners and associates down here, Dan got on a call with us voluntarily, just giving some more of his time. And we discussed 
some numbers and some opportunities. And Dan sort of said, no, 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 whoa, whoa, whoa. That's way too low of a goal for you guys, you know? And he threw out this number and the size of a business that he thought we were capable of. And just 10 or 15 minutes of talking with Dan, it seems absolutely possible. Every great, huge business with huge impact started small and continued to grow. And so I just don't see any bounds anymore. I just think we can take this wherever we want to take it, which is a freeing feeling for the rest of your life to be driving something like that, that kind of a bus. (laughs) (laughs) That's a big bus. (laughs) It's a whole fleet. There you go. I'm laughing because I just was at the Game Changer workshop yesterday. And it was fun because what you just said is exactly what happened in that, you know, it's a very collaborative, obviously the focus of the Game Changer is collaboration. And people are seeing new possibilities and simpler possibilities. And, you know, we talk about if your 10 times company is going to join up with another 10 times company, that means 100 times. But you can easily add a couple zeros (laughs) to that, which is probably what he did to your brain that day. That's what he did. Yeah. And he even said, if you're thinking right now that you want to grow a hundred times or a thousand times, he said, if you're thinking local, it has to be national or global. Yeah. You just see people go bam, bam in their thinking, Mm -hmm. which was somewhat intimidating and also, and scary, but also incredibly exciting. Mm -hmm. You know, collaboration is simply unique ability teamwork on a company scale. What I really appreciate about what you said, Jeff, is that you had to get really good at your craft first. Yeah, and then you yeah. outgrew that. Mm-hmm. And then the next thing is to get really good at unique ability teamwork. And then who knows, by collaborating with Ryan and other great people, you can take this even bigger. And I also am really clear you're collaborating with other dentists, you know, who want to be part of your yeah. bigger vision. So that to me is exciting. And we live now in a world where collaboration and networking is brilliant. So I've got so many takeaways from today. I'm so... Uh, me too. Thank you. Oh, good. And especially promoting to failure. I'll give you credit, but I'm going to write or blog about that or podcast about it or something because it's such a key point. Also, always stay open to opportunity. I think that's key. Know yourself through Colby and other profiles. Get leadership coaching and mentoring. And I love that the person that you hired, you know, then it's like, okay, well, who mentors them? And then that ends up being strategic coach. And then you took that next level. So I think always being open. And then I think also the rhythm of the meetings is key and a slow leak analogy, (laughs) I think is completely accurate. So I have gotten so many rich takeaways from our conversation today. And Me too. Thank you. Thank you. Just to validate what Dan said, the future is boundless. It's whatever you make of it and as big as your imagination could be. What advice, just because I like to wrap up with some more sharing, if someone's looking at this jump, if they're in that craftsman phase and or even as an existing team member or team leader in a company and they want to go to the next level, any do's and don'ts? You've talked about a few already, but what kind of words of wisdom would you like to share just as a final wrap up? Yeah, don't do it alone. Talk to the key people in your organization about what you're thinking. I very early on in the process of growing got my spouse and best friend, my wife of 16 years are on with me and got her involved and told her what I wanted to do. You know, Dan says in life, one of the things that will keep you going are stockpiling three things, right? Purpose, friends, and money. You know, so when it comes to stockpiling purpose, I communicated that need to stockpile and grow my purpose to very, very key people and say it out loud as often as you can because, you know, they're going to remind you of who you are and what your key instincts are. And they're going to, if they can truly see that fire lit in your eyes, they're going to continue to nudge you forward if they're truly your biggest supporters and your biggest fans. So I would say bring key people into the conversation very early on when you're thinking about it and, you know, use those conversations to continue to motivate each other and and get some people involved 
involved in it. If you come up with an idea that is in your head and it just kind of stays in your head, it usually doesn't really go anywhere. You've got to kind of get it out there on paper and get it out to some key people and start talking about it to get the process moving forward. I love that. That's great advice. Jeff, thank you so much. I'm very excited. I think for me, it's just been great to talk to you about what your leadership journey has been. Sounds very formal. But I think there's a lot of changes and a lot of mindset shifts, as we talked about at the beginning, that you've gone through. And sharing it and hearing about it, what worked, what hadn't worked, because that is so useful. I mean, I I like to share my failures. I'm like, don't do that (laughs) because (laughs) it was painful. But I think I just really appreciate you being so transparent and authentic and real with what you've experienced. And you just have so much wisdom that you've already accumulated and stockpiled. And you're going to get a lot more as you grow even bigger, 1,000, 10,000 times, who knows. So I'm excited to kind of tap in with you at this little snapshot in your where you're at. And I can't wait to see what you create out of it. But thank you so much for being willing to take the time to share it with us. It's awesome. It was my pleasure, Shannon. Thank you. Great. Thank you, Jeff. Take care. Thank you, everyone, for listening. I hope you've enjoyed this conversation with Jeff and me all about entrepreneurial leadership and how you can really make that journey in the wisest, easiest, and most transparent way possible. Any questions or comments, please let you know at questions at strategiccoach.com. And always, here's to your team success. Hi, Shannon here, and thank you very much for listening. If you like what you heard today, please take a moment to rate the Team Success Podcast on iTunes, and we'd love it if you'd share the podcast with anyone else who could benefit. If you're interested in learning more about the Strategic Coach Program for Entrepreneurs, visit us at strategiccoach.com or the Strategic Coach channel on YouTube. For free downloads and more Team Success strategies, visit teamsuccesshandbook.com. Mm-hmm.